So managing a sales team is like nothing else. You've got a bunch of individual contributors who all care about themselves very, very much. Sometimes they don't care about the company very much. So how do you manage a sales team and how do you hire these people? I brought Will Yarbrough on the podcast. He's the VP of sales at Fleetio and they hired 40 plus people in six months. So he knows all about hiring salespeople, where to find them, who to look for, and how to manage them really effectively so they crush it. You're going to really enjoy this. If you want to hire salespeople, you want to manage a sales team, this is the show for you. Check it out. Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Yes, I am Matt. I am your host. This is Sastry in the Making. Really excited to have you here. Thank you very much for coming. And I'm really delighted to be with Will Yarbrough. He's with me here as a special guest. Will, how you doing? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on the show. So let me tell everybody about you, Will. Will's the Vice President of Sales at Fleetio. Fleetio gives your team the tools and data they need to manage and maintain vehicles and equipment from acquisition to disposal. It makes fleet management less complicated. My dad, by the way, ran a company of, uh, it was a materials management company. So they had tons of trucks all around the country and all around the world. So I'm sure this would have been great while he was doing it many years ago. So that's really awesome to hear. Uh, Also, Will is the chapter founder and chapter head of Revenue Collective Birmingham. Revenue Collective is an exclusive group of senior revenue executives who come together to drive growth. They support each other. They share best practices and they benchmark relevant data. It's a really cool deal. It's a private membership for support and advocacy. So once again, Will, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Looking forward to catching up and chatting some. Absolutely. So tell me, what are you guys doing lately at Fleetio and what's coming up? Yeah, so really the uh, the last, let's see, it's July. Uh, so the last seven months or so, we've really been, you know, as everybody else is, you know, trying to figure out what's going to happen post-COVID coming out of that and really getting back into where we were before COVID hit, which is hyper growth mode. And, and really what that looks like for us is taking a lot of the foundation that we built in the early days of the company, the early years of the company, and scaling those processes, those people, and and that success up. So we've been hiring like crazy. I I think we've hired on the sales team alone 44 people since December of 2020. Uh, So with that comes tons of challenges and tons of learnings uh, and just trying to digest all of those people so that they can be successful here. Oh man, that's quite an incredible growth. I've grown sales teams with rapid, rapid growth before, but that's amazing. That's a ton of people in six months. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I can imagine. You're doing a lot of stuff over there. Good for you. Uh, I want to know more about the product. I mean, how does technology impact fleet management for these companies you're serving? Yeah, you know, you, you did a great job describing it at the top of the podcast. You know, our, our really our mission is defined as helping fleets track, analyze, and improve their fleet operations. And that can mean a lot of different things. But really for us, what we're trying to do is, is allow our customers to operate more efficiently so that they can reinvest their most valuable resources, i.e. people, into more valuable things like serving their own customers. So uh, we're trying to give time back. We're trying to eliminate mouse clicks and keystrokes. We're trying to give better visibility and insights into how how the fleet is performing, how much the fleet costs. But one of the coolest things that we do being a very modern platform in our space and, and being a SaaS 
product specifically is our technology allows our customers to leverage other technologies better. So one really easy example of that is that Fleetio can integrate with the fuel card that you use to gas up your lawnmowers before you go out on jobs. And then that becomes part of the ecosystem that you can manage Fleetio with. That's amazing. That's really, really cool stuff you guys are doing there. And I imagine that a lot of your market, a lot of your prospects that you're talking to probably have not used anything before. And tell me about how does that education go to teach them, hey, it's a new world and you're growing as a company. You need to start managing your fleet better and having systems help you do that. How do you guys go about that education process? So it's definitely multifaceted, but I mean, as you know, Matt, with your background, uh, inertia wins more often than anything else in sales. We're losing to no decision or no change more than we're losing to true competition. So the education component is critical to our success and, and how we do that. It really starts atop of the funnel or even above the funnel with our marketing team, just trying to get our brand out there, leveraging SEO and keyword search and trying to drive as much traffic to our website. And that's where it starts is a, a really great digital asset in our website that captures um, personas and different companies that we can then reach out to with direct sales efforts. And from there, you know, the practical way that we educate our customers is through either a demo, you know, an overview of our platform or through a free trial where they actually get to touch and feel the software, experience it for themselves before they make a buying decision. And that really helps us lay the groundwork for a great partnership because, you know, as you know, SaaS is not only about the initial sale, but it's about expansion revenue and retention after the sale. And so you have to sell with transparency. You have to sell with integrity. And by exposing our product and letting our customers use it before they spend a dime, it's a great way to do that. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And you're right. It is so true that a lot of times people uh, are just not making the decision. They're not taking action. You talked about how you're losing to you know, a lack of inertia and no decision. I've seen, I've seen studies that show that most deals, 80% of deals are lost to no decision at all. So it's not like you're losing to a competitor. 80% are lost to no decision at all, which means you've got to figure out how can we just get them to take action, to make some commitment. So it sounds like you guys are doing a great job there. Yeah, we're, we're trying. And you know, we, uh, we like to say around here that we sell fresh fish. We, uh, we're a momentum sales shop. And so if we can get you interested and we can get you intrigued by the product, we want to capitalize on that momentum. And again, being a SaaS product, it's such a great model for us because if I can just get you in there managing one vehicle, five vehicles on the platform, our bet is that you will eventually manage much more. So it's a great model for us. Uh, a land and expand strategy, it sounds like. That's awesome. Exactly. Yep. Love it. So your career personally has really progressed. I want to ask, because this is difficult for a lot of people, how did you make the transition from individual contributor to a manager and managing people? Yeah, so a couple of things. First off, it really goes back to um, some great career advice that I got very early on, which is you don't want to be high maintenance to your manager. You want to try to take things off of your manager's plate rather than being Love something it. that creates work for your manager. And so that's that's really something that I tried to do a lot of is just look for things that my CEO was either spending a lot of time on that maybe should be more sales oriented or that he didn't enjoy spending his time on and ask to take those things off of his plate. And inherently that gave me opportunities to take on more responsibility and get more involved in things. But even stripping all of that away, the, the most foundational advice that I could give anybody is bet on yourself, take risks, and put yourself out there. You're never going to move up the ladder, so to speak, without taking a risk and getting uncomfortable. And, and that 
in and of itself has been the the career strategy for me is I'm constantly trying to find things that I've never done before or you know put myself in positions that I've never been in before and that's that's helped me move um, and the other thing I would say too is that there's a whole lot of unexpected things that come with management. Uh, a lot of times people don't really know what it's about and you're dealing with interpersonal things and human relations and not sales stuff so often. Um, so you got to make sure that you actually want what it's about and, and, and that, and before you get into it, but you got to bet on yourself and put yourself out there. Amazing. And I completely agree with what you're saying. And I've heard the phrase or the, the advice you know, uh, that's been passed down through the centuries, I guess, is find out what your boss, your director, your manager, whoever it is, find out what they hate doing that they have to do and take it off their plate. And it sounds like you lived by that and it's worked great for you. So kudos on that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I would say too is, uh, you know, talk to other people, you know, your, your, your network is your net worth sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, be annoying, you know, find people that have had success that you want to emulate and buy them coffee, get 15 minutes on the phone with them. Even if it's just a a, a fraction of the time, um, you know, that that's only going to help you get exposure to the things that ultimately you want to do. So true. I love it. So tell me now that you're managing team, what do you like about managing sales teams and salespeople? Yeah. Um, I think, seeing others succeed is something that I really enjoy. You know, I, I tell people from time to time that I don't really get to work on deals anymore. I don't get the thrill of the chase. I don't get the, I, I get the, you know, the endorphins and the dopamine hit when a contract closes, but it's not mine. So it's, I'm a little mm-hmm. bit removed from, from the emotions of the actual cell itself. But what I do enjoy is seeing the people that I work with and that are on my team move up the career ladder or have that success and how excited they are um, to find that success either for the first time or for the 100th time. And I, I think the, the other thing that's really neat about moving into sales management specifically is architecting a process, architecting a career path that then you see compounding effects across the team. So you build something once that allows a single account executive to find success and then five find it, 10 find it, 15 find it. That is really rewarding for me. Uh, that, that, that's been something that I, I didn't know that I would enjoy about management, but I, I really have enjoyed a lot. Uh, I completely agree. So I've been in your shoes managing sales teams and that's something I loved. Maybe that's why I do what I do now, being a coach, helping leaders in SaaS companies put those processes in place. So that really is what impacts scale. I mean, if you can do it, well, how do we get your process, even though you may not have processized it or systematized it just yet, how do we make that a process? So you've done it now. How do we get the next person to do it? And the next person. So we bang. Now we start to see that exponential lift and the scale. And that's where companies really take off. I love it as well. I'm glad you're seeing that same sort of joy out of it. Yeah, it's really rewarding. And I, and I think that's one of the things that you have to recognize going back to sort of your, your previous question. You know, when you move into management, you move out of the spotlight and it becomes much less about you and much more about the team around you. And so what are you spending your time on to amplify your team's success and ultimately get zero credit for it? Uh, and, and you've got to be rewarded and energized by those types of things. Like you said, building something that's going to reward others. That's beautiful. Now you talked about hiring. I mean, you've made a ton of hires lately. So I want to dive into that a little bit because hiring salespeople is tough. And, you know, I've kind of uh, heard the whole thing of, you know, 50% of salespeople are going to, they're not going to make it. So 
you know, I've kind of felt good about my success rate of around two thirds, <laughs> but I've definitely fallen victim where I've hired people that I thought were amazing and they were going to be doing great stuff. They had great history, they had great experience, and they were going to come in and blow out of the water. And they came in and really couldn't do anything, couldn't sell a lick. So, what do what are your best tips around the hiring process, Will? Yeah, so it's it really comes down to a handful of things. Um, First and foremost, you have to recognize that hiring is incredibly time consuming, but it's also the highest leverage activity that you can do as a manager. Going back to that compounding effect that you and I were just talking about before, the most meaningful thing that you can do to replicate success is hire somebody that's really good at the job. So mm. it's important. And to your point, it's got to be done the right way. I would also say to your point, you're not going to hire hundred percent, you know, rock stars and a players, you're going to miss on some people. And just like in sales, you know, world-class sales teams and world-class sales people win 33% of the time. So the majority of the time you're losing the deal that you're working on. So you just have to recognize that and be comfortable with that as part of the hiring process that not everybody is going to go to achievers club or president's club or whatever it is. But we, we have some really pragmatic things that we, we do that we've built and hardened over time that have helped us kind of increase that success rate of folks making their way into Fleetio here and being successful. The number one thing I would recommend is that you have to standardize a scorecard. So you have to be grading people on the same things. You have to be asking the same things so that you can compare. If you're, if you're lucky and you have a lot of candidates, you're going to forget what you talked to Matt about or Will about three weeks ago. So you have to be able to look back at this scorecard and compare apples to apples to ensure that you're grading people on an even, um, an even thing. Even before that happens, I think you have to screen out people that are never going to be qualified. And that's another thing. Again, it's time consuming. It's expensive. So being able to whittle down your universe or your funnel of applicants to a few that you know are going to be potentially good fits is really, really important. So we do something really easy here at Fleetio. At the very bottom of our application or our, our, our job description, we put mention coffee in your cover letter to know that we know that you read this. Yeah. And a lot of people don't do that. And we want people that pay attention to details. We want people that are you know, in, invested in the opportunity. And so if people don't mention coffee, we swipe them to the side and we focus on people that do. Um, and then, you know, I would say the other thing is two other quick things is number one, make sure you're hiring for the things that matter. Uh, you know, a lot of times specifically in sales, salespeople can write a really good resume. Salespeople can do a really good job in interviewing. So make sure that you're hiring for the things that actually matter, not only to the company that you work at, but the job that they're going to do. So that's not something I can answer universally on this, this, in this conversation, but you got to make sure that you're hiring for the right things and not just kind of checking the proverbial boxes that you think make a good salesperson. And that leads me to my last point, which is probably the most important or the most valuable thing that we've started doing here at Fleetio, which is doing an assessment. Um, you know, call it a mock pitch, call it a role play, whatever you want to call it, but give people an opportunity to do the work, at least a fraction of the work before you hire them. So for us, we have a final one hour interview that we do with everybody. We spend 10 minutes at the very beginning of them doing a mock pitch of a product of their choosing. So we can see how they handle the room, what they do before and after the meeting. Do they close us? Do they ask good discovery questions? Are they confident? Are they good at conversation? So it really just gives us a, a real understanding of, cool, you've got 125% to quote on every job you've ever had on your resume. Let's see if you can actually hold a conversation with you know, a decision maker sort of thing. And that just gives us a whole lot more confidence going into the final steps and making someone an offer. 
It's beautiful because I've done the same thing. So we, I would always do a five to 10 minute because I was always hiring a lot of reps who were doing a lot of demos. They would do four, five, six demos a day. And so when I'm hiring this role, I would always ask them, hey, I want you to do a five to 10 minute presentation to me. It can be about anything you want, professional or otherwise. And sometimes people would present about soccer or something or football and anything you want. I want you to present to me and basically sell something to me, uh, whether it's an idea, whether it's a service, a product, whatever it is. And that was a real weeding out process because the people who you could tell they didn't prepare for it or they didn't deliver it well, like they, like you said, they had a great resume and they had a great background, but they couldn't deliver. They couldn't talk. They couldn't explain. They didn't do discovery. Like you said, they didn't really, you know, dive into the, the process. Yuck. I mean, it was such an eye opener for me once we started doing that. And I completely agree. The other thing I love is the scorecard. It's absolutely great way to do that. Uh, I want to ask you, do you have a public scorecard for the team that they all can see where they stand, where they rank? Do you, do you guys do that? We do, you know, we definitely measure the, the, the true objective scorecard of any sales role, which is, you know, dollars, one opportunities yep. created your win rate, your percent to quota, all of those types of things. And then, you know, we have more of the, the motion type stuff. How many calls are you making? How many emails, you know, more of the, the, the blocking the and tackling of the role. Um, yep. We don't necessarily publish anything that's relevant to characteristics or persona type things. Um, but I've seen some other companies that have done that, you know, in the Enneagram is a good example, the disc assessment and sort of seeing how the team, the team dynamics shape up based on those outcomes. Not something we've done here at Fleetio yet though. Sure. Yeah. I've, I've seen that. Uh, but I was actually asking about, you know, deals closed and revenue one and all that. Um, I've always thought that having a scorecard amongst the team is critical let everybody know where they stand, let everybody know what they need to do to get up to the top or towards the top. Um, I go back to Dale Carnegie's book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, where the steel mill was not producing very well. So whoever the big steel guy was, I'm not sure who it was, went into the factory and said, well, hey, day shift, how many, I don't know what it is, reams is going to be the wrong thing, rolls of steel, I'm not sure what it is, but how many rolls did you make? And the foreman would say, we made six. And so all he did was took a piece of chalk and wrote a big six on the floor. And they're like, okay, well, they left for the shift. The night shift came in. They said, what's that six? Oh, that's how many of the day shift made today. And the night shift made seven that night. And the next day they saw the six scratched out. The day shift saw now a seven in place. And the day shift said, oh, no, no, they didn't. And they made 10 that next day. So they went from (laughs) six to 10 in a day just because of keeping score. So I've always been a big believer it's super, super critical to make sure that people are trying to get ahead and continue to do better and better. Love it. You guys are doing great. I love that. Now, you know, um, if you can, uh, here's our office right there. That's a TV over there. We've got five or six of those on our sales floor down here where we literally have our scorecards just circling around. One of the things that we've done in the past that works better than digital scorecards, we'll take sticky notes and we'll move reps around based on their performance. And, you know, you, you, you move ahead, you get to go over there, you pick the sticky note off the wall and you move it up. So, you know, a lot of sales is psychology. And so the more that we can motivate through that, you know, the better off we're going to be. So I love that. I haven't heard, I haven't heard that about the steel mill. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. You have the scorecard on the on the digital screen everywhere. That's great. I love the sticky note thing. This is really practical stuff for everybody everybody to apply. Uh, what beyond that? Do you have any other ways of motivating your team to make sure that they're producing at their best? 
you know, this is one of those things that keeps me up at night uh, is how to properly motivate the team specifically at, at the rate that we're scaling. We have all different types of personas and archetypes that we're hiring for. They're all going to be motivated by this, by different things. Uh, I think it's a disservice to the sales profession just to say that all salespeople are coin operated because mm-hmm. they're not. Uh, right. A lot of salespeople don't care how much money they make. They want to make money. Don't get me wrong, but they want the pats on the back. They want the recognition. Uh, they want flexibility. So I, I think you always have to stay in touch with the folks on your team to really understand what does motivate them because it's not going to be a, a one size fits all. But you know thing- what? For me, not to cut you off there, Will, but yeah. for me on that motivation, of course, I love money. It's great. But really, I'm super competitive playing sports my whole life. Like for me, the win, the competition of it, was really where it was at. I got jacked up for winning deals. Not necessarily, I mean, of course you get money from it, but the competition was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's got to be, you know, going back to the scorecard, we measure pretty heavily on competition or competitiveness uh, because that's a, that's an inherent driver that's going to make somebody in sales much more successful if they don't have it than if they don't have it, excuse me. Agreed. And, and I guess, so I always like try to engender friendly competition amongst our team. Yes, you keep the scorecard, you do that, you want to make sure everybody's working together. But for me, the more of the competition against the comp, the competitors, you know, the other companies in our industry, especially when we were up against them, when you come out on top and you know that they chose you out of three, four, five different op- options, that's what a feeling. I mean, that's so awesome, isn't it? It's great. It's really phenomenal. There's nothing like it. Agreed. Agreed. So, so cool. So you, you guys have grown a lot since you've been there and you, you've done a great job of, of growing the team, growing the revenue. I want to ask, should sales strategies be adjusted as you grow so that you can accommodate different size of a company? When you're small, you have one strategy. When you're big, you have one strategy. Or is there more the same framework all the way throughout? What do you think, Will? How, does, how should that change or not? I think it has to change. I don't know that you have any choice just because what you're doing at the, in the early days is going to be so fundamentally different than what you're going to be doing as the company grows. So I, I do think it has to change and evolve. And if you're not constantly challenging your process and your approach, you're going to get stale. And and that's one thing, you know, we're a product company at our heart. And so iteration is is in our bones and in our DNA. So that's definitely something that we've transposed into our sales motion as well. But I, I, I think when I think about the evolution of things, the, the number one advice that I would give early on, and this is part of our core philosophy here at Fleetio and goes back to our CEO and what he founded the company on is write things down. We believe wholeheartedly and anytime we make a decision or we decide on a strategy, we write it down, we document it, we build a playbook around it. And that will change And that becomes work in and of itself is updating everything that you write down. But writing things down, trying things out, figure out what works and what doesn't. And I think you have to do things that don't scale at first. You Mm -hmm. have to do things that aren't going to be repeatable, that you can't have a team of 20 doing all at the same time. But that's the way that you learn. So then, you know, you experiment, you do things that don't scale, you write it down, you iterate. And you become more specialized as you learn more about those iterations. And that's where you can take, I've tried A, B, and C strategy. I'm going to stick with A in the early days. But later on, when I have more resources, when I have more of a team to work with, when I have more people to spread around, I can specialize on A, B, and C all at the same time. But you have to focus early um, and and really pick a few things that work out. And you're not going to know what's going to work without trying a bunch of different stuff. So true. I love it. I completely agree. It should be changing. 
I want to ask you as we're starting to, to wind down on time here, what tips would you give to other sales leaders who are kind of just starting out or starting to manage a team at, 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 for the first time? What, what advice can you have for them? I just always like to encourage people to find a question they don't know the answer to every single day. And if you do that, you're going to be doing better than 90% of the population, if not more. Uh, Everything else is going to go back to what we already talked about, which is making yourself uncomfortable, bet on yourself, take risks. Um, You've got to find ways to just put yourself in positions that you've never been in before. And, And inherently, you're going to move up. I think a lot with specifically young leaders and young professionals, you're kind of thinking, you're, like, you're looking around at people that are your P- other sales managers, other VPs, other CROs, and you're like, man, that guy has it. Matt has it all figured out. How do I be like Matt? At the end of the day, Matt, there's a lot of questions that Matt doesn't know the answer to, and some things Matt's kind of figuring out for the same time. You probably do know everything, Matt, but I know I, there are tons of, questions that, <laughs> tons of questions that I don't know the answer to. Definitely not. And you have to be comfortable with that. So I think you got to bet on yourself. You got to take risks, find questions you don't know the answer to. And then more importantly, go network and talk to people that do know those answers so that you can, you can uh, understand it the next time it comes around. Amazing advice. Super, super, super stuff. I totally believe that if you do those things, for those of you out there who are just getting started, you do those things that Will's saying, you're going to shoot to the moon. I mean, you're going to achieve some fantastic stuff because that is a blueprint for how you can get better and better at what you're doing, get your product out there, get yourself improved. Beautiful stuff. Will, this is awesome. Thanks for coming on the show and sharing all of your amazing knowledge. How shall our audience learn more about you and what you guys are doing at Fleetio? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, Matt. Really enjoyed the conversation. I'd say, uh, first off, fleetio.com. That's F L E E T I O.com is a great place to start to learn more about the business. Um, and then my LinkedIn is slash Will R Yarbrough. So if you want to check me out or connect with me, ask me any questions, I'm happy to pay it forward and return all the favors that I've gotten in my career. So feel free to reach out to me there. Awesome. You're a legend, Will. I love it. Thank you so much. By the way, all that stuff he just said, we're going to have in the show notes. So if you're listening on the podcast, you'll see it in the notes. If you're watching on YouTube or something, you'll see it down below. But Will, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Likewise, I had a ton of fun. For everybody else out there, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Incredible stuff like what Will just shared. You do not want to miss it, so subscribe. So every week, you're going to have a new leader, creator, innovator sharing with you what's important so you can get ahead. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care. 